Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. I'm going to talk to you about the power of defending your promises. The power of defending your promises. And so let's pray. Father, I just thank you that your word is truth. Your word is life. Your word is power because you are the word. And we exalt who you are. We exalt your name. We exalt your goodness. We exalt the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, that you sent your word and healed us and delivered us from the pit and destruction. And therefore, no resident in our land says we are sick. I refuse to say that. In the name of Jesus, I say what you say. I am healed. I was healed, so I am healed, along with my brethren and sisters in Christ. And I thank you today that even in this message, the power of defending our promise will be awakened in us, and we will not give up. We will not be a people who give up, who grow weary and faint. Because you said if we do not grow weary and give up, we will reap. So I thank you for that, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And thank you, worship team. And thank you, James and Tim. Thank you for being here. Such a precious presence of God. Everything, everything in this earth is born of a seed. Everything. Our words are seeds. The word of God is a seed. I was talking to someone the other day about someone I know uh, that has chosen a lifestyle that is contrary to the word of God. And the person looked shocked when I told him. And I said, well, what do you expect from the day he was born? And I don't say this lightly. His sperm donor called him these particular names. And I say sperm donor because this person was not in any way a father to him. You know, I've started calling the Lord dad because he has become that to me. Father is beautiful. Father is wonderful. Our father who art in heaven. But dad is a little bit more personal. And he told me I could. He told me I could. Because I'm his daughter. Everything is born of a seed. And the Lord has shown me very, very clearly that many of us have forfeited the very promises the Lord has given to us because we have not defended our seed. And you're going to understand this more as I go on today. But in Genesis 8:22, it says, while the earth remains, how many of you would testify that the earth has remained? Right? Or we wouldn't be here. While the earth remains, and listen to the principle, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, Texas, and day and night shall not cease. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. But here's the problem. Between the seed and the harvest, there is time. I don't think anybody in this room goes into their garden and plants a seed and get up the next morning and expects a harvest. 
that is not the laws of seed time and harvest. It just isn't. You have to tend the seed, don't you? You have to defend it by what? Water and fertilizer, making sure. I mean, when you go to the nursery and you buy a plant or bush or whatever, don't you look to see if it's a partial shade or full sun? I mean, you do, right? If it says full sun, are you going to buy it and plant it in the shade? It won't thrive. What is that? You are defending your seed. You're giving it every opportunity to flourish with oxygen and sun and fertilizer and water and and nurture and care. And we have a lot of crop failures, a lot of crop failures, because we neglect the seed. How do you do that? Well, I already told you, this is my mirror. I look in this and I see myself. The Lord spoke to me this morning. I want you to start reading the Song of Solomon and see yourself as a Shulamite. And I've done that many times. And if you went to, came to Chosen, how many of you were at Chosen? Raise your hands. How many of you were not at Chosen? Listen to the podcast when they come out. I'm just telling you it'll be worth your while. It was absolutely excellent. And Lisa Harper is like, she's one of my favorite people in the whole world now. She's just very real, very authentic, very genuine. She told Cindy she'd be back. So whenever that is, and I announce that, just clear your calendar. Because, I mean, she's so worth hearing and, and, and sitting in. She is exactly what you see, just real, authentic, full of grace and mercy and kindness and just a heart full of love. And I just think we all loved her. I don't see how anybody could not. And I'm, you know, she's 60 years old, never been married. And uh, I, would, I question why, but I, I so believe that she has so made the Lord her husband and he is so jealous for her. You know, because when you're married, what does the Bible say? Well, your devotion's to your husband. But when you're not married, your devotion's to the Lord. Now, saying she'll never get married, but it's going to take one heaven of a man. That's all I can say. And so she brought up the Song of Solomon and, and I thought, you know, I'm going to go back and I'm going to look in the mirror of the Song of Solomon, which is a divine romance between Jesus and his bride. Oddly, in the natural, it was Solomon and the Shulamite. You know, Shulamite is the name, the feminine of Solomon. And so you can read this and you can see yourself and it will tell you actually when the bridegroom is speaking and the things he says, you are so lovely. You are so lovely like the fine linen tapestry hanging in the holy place, my radiant one. Let me tell you how I see you. You are so thrilling to me. To gaze upon you is like looking at one of Pharaoh's finest horses, a strong, regal steed pulling his royal chariot. Your tender cheeks are aglow, your earrings and your gem-laden necklaces. Set them ablaze. We will enhance your beauty. We, the Holy Trinity, we will enhance your beauty encircling you with our golden reins of love. You will be marked with our redeeming grace. My mirror. So this morning I said, Lord, thank you. I am marked with your redeeming grace. This is error. You have to learn to see yourself the way God sees you. And then you have to agree with it. 
I don't care what people have said to you. This lady starts out putting herself down. Don't stare at me. I'm dark and sinful. My angry brothers quarrel with me. They appoint me. I mean, just horrible things. You're not defined by what people say of you unless you receive those seeds. You're defined by what God says about you. But you can abort that because you neglect your vineyard. And your life is a sum total of everything that's been, every seed that has ever been deposited into you. It just is. I mean, it just is. And so lately, something very sudden happened to me. I mean, I was, I think I was listening to something. I, mean, I try, I just to fill my day with worship music and word and, and all those things. If I'm not actively engaged in something else and ministering or whatever, then I, I'll just keep myself surrounded by truth. You have to. Because there's other voices coming at you all the time. I mean, I don't watch commercials because all they will do is tell you you're sick. It used to be all about the soap you could buy, you know, Tide and Mr. Clean and Ivory. Now it's about how if you're not sick, you will be. And these are the medications you can take. And if the sickness doesn't kill you, they will. So there you have it. Now, I'm not downing medicine. God blesses and uses it. And, and if ever you have to take something, let me tell you what to do. You take that medicine in your hand and you say, in the name of Jesus, I tell you to do me only good and to do whatever you're, kill the bacteria that's harming my body or whatever it is. I tell you to do this and I break any harmful side effect listed on this label. Don't read the side effects because it's seed. It will get into you. It'll get into your mind. A common undisturbed mind and heart are life and health to your body. So you sit there and read the seed of the side effects. That's what will possibly happen. But you just tell it, this is not what you're going to do to me. In the name of Jesus, your words have power. Your words are containers. The container holds seeds. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. By your words, you will be justified. By your words, you will be condemned and held guilty. Choose your words with wisdom. Choose your words with wisdom. James 1, 21 and 22 says, Get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness, and in a humble, gentle, modest spirit, receive and welcome the word which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your souls, but be a doer of the word and not merely a listener, betraying yourself into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. So when you start reasoning against this word, you're, you're deceived. And, the, and James, the apostle James goes on to say that, that when you look in the word as a mirror, and you walk away, you're like a natural man that looks in the mirror, sees what he looks like, and forgets. If I stood up here today and, and I said, I really enjoy my big blue eyes and my long blonde hair, you would look at me and think, she needs medical help. <laughs> what, what did that mean? It means I forgot. I figured out something. And it actually entertained me. Because, you know, after, supposedly, I'd rather be like Moses, my eyesight not dimmed nor my vigor abated. But in the natural realm, after 40, the reason many people need cheaters, readers, or whatever you call them, is because gravity has pulled your lens down. 
Okay, simple. It's not that you have a disease. Just gravity has pulled your lens down. And thank God that there's something that can magnify the words. But I, may, I had another revelation. This was actually chosen weekend. That was, I laughed and then I cried. Because literally, I thought, you know why that happens, Lord? So that we don't know we're getting older. And when we look in the mirror, we seem flawless. Because I can tell you right now, I can look in my mirror. I don't see one crease, line, bag, or sag on my face. That's the absolute truth. And then I put on my glasses and I go, oh, my God. <laughs> but I have to do that to not be deceived about what I really look like. I prefer the no glasses. 1 Peter 1.23, you have been born again, regenerated. I love the word regenerated because you know what it means, regened. Oh, my mother had it and my grandmother and my great-grandmother. Well, my Bible says I've been regened. I absolutely want to scream when somebody says, well, you know what, this runs in my family, so I have it. Okay, well, whatever you say. You just called it to yourself. I mean, do you really want heart disease? Do you really want certain types of cancer? Do you really want arthritis or whatever it is? Because your mother had it and your grandmother had it and your great-grandmother had it? I've been regened. That's seed. Listen, for you have been regenerated, not from a mortal origin, seed, or sperm, but from one that is immortal by the ever-living and lasting word of God. Now, that's good news. That is good news. Because when I got born again, the sperm of God fertilized my human spirit. So let's go over this. This is Bible one-on-one, if you don't know it. One-third of every one of us, if Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, is completely like Jesus your spirit. Your spirit looks just like Jesus. Your spirit has the full capacity of love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness, self-control. You're born again spirit. There is no flaw. So one third of you is already whole, praise God. But then there's your soul, your, your, your mind and your will. And your emotions. And Jesus said the shepherd, the good shepherd, restores our soul. If you get into the word of God and you see your reflection, it renews your mind. And if you will walk in the fruit of your reborn spirit, you have self-control to control your emotions and bring them in subjection to love, who is Jesus, the word. Okay? Bible 101. 101. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now the, may the God of peace sanctify you whole, W-H-O-L-E, and may your whole spirit, your spirit's already redeemed, soul and body be preserved complete. So it's the will of God that the other two-thirds of you come in subjection to your spirit being that looks just like Jesus. Do you understand that? So, Say your body is sick, your body has symptoms. I have good news for you. That's only a third of you. So how about you work on the soul part, the other third, 
because the apostle John prayed that we would prosper and be in health. How? As our soul prospers. Now, I don't have any problem. I mean, I exercise. I don't have any problem with exercise. And, you know, I mean, some of you might want to go and be bodybuilders, whatever. But I'm telling you, if you spend more time on your body in any capacity than you spend on your soul, you have a big deficit. Big deficit. So, are you protecting your seed? Are you defending the seed of the Word of God? You know, when I was a brand new baby Christian, I always had this false belief that I would never be able to have a baby. It meant more to me than anything to have a baby. And so you know what I did? I got into a Bible study. And I I don't even know how, I don't remember how I found out about this Bible study, but I got into this Bible study. And in this Bible study, we were studying Genesis and we were studying the life of Noah. And the name Noah means rest. And how Noah rested in the promises of God. Now think about it. The earth had never seen rain. So the thought of a flood was ridiculous. I mean, this was, what is it called? Pre-antediluvian, pre-flood. And we know from the Garden of Eden that just water came up from the ground and water the earth. Wouldn't that be nice? We're not even allowed to use our blessed sprinklers. I mean, save the salamanders or whatever it is. And so I just, I read about Noah and how he just believed God. God said, go build this ark. Can you imagine the mocking, the people yelling and screaming at him, how crazy he was? And God gave him exact directions. I would advise all of us to follow the exact directions of, that the Lord gives us, whatever it is. I mean, he, he will tell you to forgive the most horrible of people. Just do it. I don't feel it. Well, that's your problem. You're trying to feel. No, I'm just going to be obedient. The Bible says to be obedient to the, from your heart to the form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you become a slave of righteousness. And so I read about Noah, about rest, and I just decided, now here I am, this baby Christian, I'm 21 years old, that I was just going to believe God. And three months, I got pregnant with Kelly. And I'll never forget the night I had her. I think I had her at 10 something at night. And it was different in those days. And these days, they leave the baby with you. And da, da, da. In those days, they took the baby to the nursery. You know, this is almost 50 years ago. It's hard for me to conceive that I still that I have an almost 50-year-old. Because I'm not that old. In my mind, I'm not. In my mind, I'm not. Until I put my glasses on, look in the mirror. So back to the mirror. And so they put her in my arms, and I looked in her eyes, and I went, my child has blue eyes. I knew that she had blue eyes. I knew they were not going to turn brown like my husband's and mine. And sure enough, she has blue eyes, and she married a blue-eyed man and has four blue-eyed children. Because how many, you know, if you have two blue eyes, can only make a recessive blue-green spectrum. So somewhere in the seed pool and the gene pool, both Randy and I had a recessive gene, which I know because his mother had blue eyes and my grandmother had gray eyes and my aunt had green eyes. So somewhere in the seeds... The gene pool. And I just looked at her and I went, God, 
how could you love me this much to give me this beautiful blue-eyed baby girl? But I just took that little seed, just studying about Noah, and I believed God. I defended the seed. But I want to tell you something. It gets harder the longer you walk. Because, see, I was still on a honeymoon with Jesus. But you can't stay on baby food, people. And the longer you walk, the more that is required of you. And the harder it gets. And we just all have to face that. So here's the process of a life for victory. All you have to do to go from where you are to where God wants you to be is go to the Word of God, find the seeds of promise. You take His promises, whatever you're needing. Plant those seeds in your heart and then defend them. And I'm going to show you in a minute. Satan's going to come right away to try to steal that seed. Right away. And if he can't, then he's going to cause problems. He's going to cause persecution. He's going to cause affliction. He's going to cause distraction. He's going to cause uh, glamour, delusions, and lust. Anything to destroy the power of the seed, which is the promise. And if you don't defend that seed, it will be devoured, period. And you wonder why. Why aren't the promises coming to pass? I just told you. Defend the seed. Stand against the affliction. Stand against the attack, the persecution. Don't let things choke the word of God. I wrote all this down because I go over it all the time. And your faith in that seed, and your refusal, your refusal to let go of what God has promised you will activate the supernatural life of God in you. Because that seed of the promise contains the life of God because Jesus is the word. But you can't let go. You can't let go. The Bible says, if you give up. You will reap if you do not grow weary and give up. So if you give up, then you will not. You'll cause an abortion or a miscarriage of the promise. Because remember, the word is a seed, period. So let's look at Mark 4, 1 through 9, and 13 through 20. Jesus began to teach them, and a very great crowd gathered, and he got into the ship to sit it out on the sea. And the whole crowd was at the lakeside on the shore. And he taught them many things in parables. And in teaching, he said to them, give attention to this. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he was sowing, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on the ground full of rocks where it didn't have much soil. And at once it sprang up, but it did not have any depth of soil. When the sun came up, it was scorched. And because it had not rooted, it withered. Other seed of the same kind So in other words, listen, I'm going to give you a hint. This is going to describe four hearts. God can give you and you and you and you and me a promise, the same promise. Let's just make it easy. 1 Peter 2.24 says that that because of Jesus, he himself bore our sin in his body on the tree, that we would die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds. You were healed. Now, you can look up healed in the Greek, and you can fool yourself all day and all night and just tell yourself, well, that means spiritual healing. I just told you your spirit's already born again. You don't need spiritual healing. That is ignorance of the Word of God. It's look it up in the Greek. People do your homework. He's talking about your body. And it says you are healed. 
If you were healed, you are healed. If you've been made righteous, you are righteous. You are in right standing with God through Jesus Christ. But what happens? Defend the seed. I have no problem with doctors. I, my doctor's a very dear friend. But I have a problem when you put the doctor before God. I have a problem when you put the doctor report above the word of God. And I told you I am determined to avenge my sister's death. I don't know about you, but I want to die on time, not before time. What about you? I want to fulfill all the purposes of God in my generation. Rick wrote a book called Die Empty. And that's how I want to die. I want to die empty knowing I have done everything the Lord asked me to do and put me on this earth for. That's the only way. And so I'm going to stand for every promise in the word of God. Spirit, soul, and body, I am determined. I have set my face to it. So, where was I? Some fell on the ground, some da-da-da. When the sun came up, it was scorched and not taken root. Okay, verse 7. Other seed of the same kind fell upon thorns and thistles, and it grew and pressed together, and it choked and suffocated it, yielding no grain, and other seed of the same kind. So all of these hearts had the same kind of seed sown in them. And it fell into good, well-adapted soil, and it brought forth grain. It grew up and increased and yielded 30 times as much, 60 times, 100 times. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear and comprehend. Now watch. And he said to them, and the disciples said, Lord, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And Jesus said, do you not understand this parable? How then can you understand all the parables? What were the parables? They were stories Jesus told to teach something. Jesus said, if you can't understand the sower and the seed, you won't understand any of it. And so he's going to explain it to them. So listen, the sower sows the word, seed. The sower sows the word. The ones along the path are those who have the word sown in their hearts, but when they hear it, Satan comes at once and by force takes away the message sown. And then the same, those sown, uh, sown on stony ground are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it and they welcome it and they say, praise the Lord, hallelujah. But they don't have any real root. And so they endure for a little while. And here you go. And when trouble or affliction arises on account of the word. You see, you always think, what did I do wrong? Well, you should say, what did I do right? On account of the word, the devil will send affliction. And they immediately are offended, resentful, displeased, and indignant. And they stumble and fall away. And the ones sown on the thorns are others who hear the word. And then the cares and the anxieties of the world and distractions of the age and the pleasure and delight and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches and the craving and passion desire for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word and it becomes fruitless. And those sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and they receive and accept it and they welcome it and they bear fruit, some 30, 60, and 100 fold. There's four kinds of heart in this room, four kinds. Some of you, you're going to walk away. You're going to think, I'm going to defend my promise. 
And then Satan comes, snatches it. Whose fault is that? Yours. And others of you, you're going to hear the word and you're going to receive it with joy, but you're not rooted in the word because you don't spend time with Jesus who is the word. And well, it has a bad ending. You endure for a while and then trouble comes because of the word and you get offended and you might think God doesn't keep his word or how long. It's like Lisa beautifully brought up. The most often asked question in the Bible is how long? It's true. And it's apparently a legitimate question. And then others of you, I mean, you're going to hear the word. It sounds good, but then things happen and you get distracted. That's one of the devil's biggest arrows, distractions. Whether it's symptoms in your body or your bank report or whatever it is. But one of these things is glamour. And you know, I... Um, The other day, it was a few weeks ago actually, it was before Chosen, in the mail out of the blue, I get a People magazine. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with reading a magazine, so don't hear that. But I get this People magazine, which I don't buy or subscribe to. I just don't have time. I don't have magazine time, folks. Just don't. And, well, the whole cover was just glamorous. And I got really intrigued, and so... First thing it did was show a celebrity wedding, and I go and I read about this wedding, and oh my goodness, it was, it must have cost a million dollars. And then I start thinking, well, I don't mind, I haven't been to a wedding like that. And then I set it back on the counter. Next day or so, I look at it again. And it had, you know, it has uh, pulls in it, you know, you, you see the titles. And, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, throw that away. You are being distracted. Now, hey, if you can do that, it doesn't distract you, it's fine. It's fine. But it wasn't fine for me. Because I started looking at all the glamour, which the Bible says is deceitful. And it distracted me. So I put it where it belonged, in the garbage. Again, if it doesn't do that for you, subscribe. But for me, learn what distracts you. Learn what pulls you away from the word of God. Those are the things you need to deal with. I'm just telling you. And let's see. I want to decide where I want to go. In Mark 4, 30 and 32, Jesus compared. He said, what can I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like a grain of mustard seed. You know, a grain of mustard seed is one of the smallest of seeds. I used to bring mustard seeds, but then they'd fall out. and They're so tiny. They just get everywhere. But when you sow it into the ground, even though it's the smallest, it becomes one of the greatest, one of the greatest of all garden herbs, and it puts out large branches. A seed from a seed. You've got to defend your promises. Ephesians 4, 31, 32, let all bitterness and indignation and wrath and bad temper and resentment and quarreling and slander be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will, and baseness of any kind and become useful and helpful and kind and tenderhearted and compassionate, understanding and lovinghearted and forgive others readily and freely as God in Christ has forgiven you. 
It's very plain. What seed are you sowing? 1 Peter 2, 1. Be done with every trace of wickedness, depravity, malignity, deceit and insincerity and grudges and envy and jealousy. And like a newborn babe, crave the pure milk of the word that you may be nurtured over and over and over again. In John chapter 5, the whole chapter that when the Lord gave me the vision for the ministry that we're actually, um, the new season starts next week, the brunch ministry. Anybody in here never been to brunch? Never come next week. You're going to love it. And I was sitting in, in Shannon and Bob Urington's house. And I, I'm not much of a meeting person, okay? If you have a meeting at my house, you're going to have a good time. And I was sitting in the meeting and y'all weren't boring. It wasn't that. I was just sitting there, and all of a sudden, I saw like a ticker tape go across the, the wall, the screen of my mind, and it said B-R-U-N-C-H. And immediately, I knew what each letter stood for. I just knew. The B was burden-bearing, which was a prayer ministry. The R stood for refreshing, which is what we do. We love you. In this church, we feed you your physical needs. We pray for you, your spiritual needs. I mean, we're there for you. B-R-U, and the U was understanding, which was a, a counseling section. You know, we had a lot of inner healing in those days. I personally do a lot of, of counseling. And, and it just, every letter had a function. And I just knew. And so I remember the first person I called was Pam Williams. And I said, you know, I have this vision. And the first thing she said was, we'll do it. And I was like, how? I had no idea. And that was 36 years ago. But you know what, how it started? We just put out, I think in those days we used bulletins, flyers. I don't remember. Whatever Cindy let me do back then. And she's always been 100% supportive, 100,000%. And so... The first one we had, it was a pot luck, pot bless, or whatever you want. Don't be religious, okay? <laughs> and people brought food. There were all kinds of dishes. And Pam and some of the others literally were like Mary Poppins. They came with bags full of decor from their homes. What was that? It was a seed. People put a seed. They brought a casserole. They used decor from their home. And decorated the tables beautifully. What was that? It was a seed. And every month, that's what we did. There were mothers. They said, well, we'll keep the children. And mothers took turn planting seed. Did you know your time is a seed? Time, talent, treasures. All seeds. And that started the brunch ministry. And now we're able, we have a beautiful a storage room that Rick and Cindy have given us here with wonderful supplies. And I thank God for it now because we got all those things on a dime. And now some of the things we have are worth hundreds. I mean, we have candle. What do, what do we pay for our silver? Those big old tall silver that are this tall. I think 75. Those things would easily be three, $400 now. And just beautiful things. Seeds. And, you know, other, uh, other women's ministries in the church, we help each other, we plant seeds in each other, we move in unity. I had someone recently uh, 
suggest to me that they would love for me to be the women's pastor at their church. After they had told me how territorial the women are. <laughs> and my response to that person was, no, thank you. I'm staying where I am. I don't want to be around crows. Because <laughs> crows pick at each other. We don't do that. We love one another because love is a seed. Love is a seed. In Hosea, but anyway, that John 6, I won't read it all, but you know with the story, a little boy gave his lunch, two fish, five loaves, two fish and five loaves. Hosea 10, 12, sow with the view to righteousness, reap in accordance with mercy and loving kindness, and break up your fallow ground. It is time to seek the Lord until he rains righteousness and his gifts on you. What are you sowing? What we sow should be with the view to what is right. The Amplified Classic says that righteousness like seed may germinate. What is righteousness? It is right standing with God through Jesus Christ. It is right being and right doing. Jesus was made our sin. We were made his righteousness. That's the one-third of your spirit that is born again, that is perfect. A third of me is always in right standing with God. I love that. A whole third of me. And if I miss the mark, which with all my heart I never want to do, if I miss the mark and I confess my sin, the blood of Jesus cleanses me immediately of all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. We don't have to walk in guilt and condemnation. But you have to trust the process of the seed. Go to the Word of God. Get the promises that apply to your situation and guard them. Keep them before your eyes. Keep it going into your ears. Keep it coming out of your mouth. Meditate on it in your heart. Don't let go. Because if you do, you will shipwreck. And your faith will suffer. I've done this for 50 years. I know what I'm talking about. If somebody comes to me with 50 years of experience, I want to ask you a question. If, say you go to your doctor and he says, you know, I'm new. I'm really not sure about this. I, I'd suggest you find a new doctor. But if I go to a doctor and he goes, I have 50 years under my belt. I'll never forget this. I was thinking about it, Cindy, on the way over here. Years and years and years ago. And Cindy had young children. I had young children. And, and at times she wanted to travel with Rick. And so all, I always had the blessing of keeping their oldest daughter, Chrissy. And she would stay with me, and, and we had a lot of really good times. And uh, one day, uh, Courtney, my youngest, was five months old. And I had her in the swing, strapped in in the backyard, and, and I was watching. And Chrissy was just enamored, you know, because little, you know how five months old. By five months old, they're so precious and cute. And uh, she's playing with Courtney, and I looked at her, and she planted a big old kiss right on Courtney's mouth. That part was fine. Except the next day, Chrissy woke up, and she had a high fever. Now, mind you, her parents are out of town. And she said her throat really hurt. And so called Rick and Cindy, and I took her to the pediatrician. And I had the whatever paperwork you need to do that. Took her to the pediatrician. And the pediatrician says, well, she has strep throat. So, you know, we gave her medication, prayed over it. And, and, uh, <clears throat> but she wasn't getting better. And so Rick and Cindy came back from their trip. And uh, the next day, Cindy called me. And Cindy said, Sandy, I'm going to take her to the doctor. She's, she doesn't look good. And we both had the same pediatrician. His name was Dr. Now. 
And um, she calls me, and she was a little bit upset. And she said, um, Dr. Nahal said that Chrissy has hepatitis. Now, you know the first picture I see in my mind, right? <laughs> Mothers. And so Cindy rebuked him. Now, at the time, Dr. Now was old. He was my age. <laughs> I don't think I'm old, but we were very young at the time. I mean, we were, or I was early 30s. She was late 20s. And so, you know, 70 was old at the time. <laughs> I'm not even middle-aged yet, just so you know. And so the doctor says, to Cindy, she has hepatitis. I'm going to te test her. And Cindy said, in Jesus' name, speak positively. He said, okay, I'm positive she has hepatitis. <laughs> right? Isn't that what happened? But that this guy was an experienced physician. So the next day, San Antonio has, you know, it isn't cold here until it's cold, and then it's ridiculous has one of those, the whole city shut down. We had ice storms, literally. All the roads are closed. The highways are closed. You had to take a back road anywhere. And Cindy calls me and she says, um, Sandy, Tess came back. She has hepatitis. Well, she'd been around her uncle who had hepatitis. What kind would that be? B? And she'd been around him and contracted it. And so Dr. Now said, you all have to go get gamma globulin shots to build your immune system. And so Randy and me and the three girls get in the car. We take all the back roads. It was all the way on Hildebrand, and we lived way north. And we get there, and guess what? He only had pediatric doses. And it, anybody ever had a, had a gamma globulin shot? They are so painful. I mean, it's like taking a sword and just stabbing you. And Randy, haha, <laughs> had to have two because it was pediatric doses. <laughs> but I told you that to tell you I had the seed of the word of God in me. And I really had to fight fear. Chosen was based on 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And I'm telling you, every flaming missile that the enemy had was hurled at me to steal my power. Love, which cast out fear and a sound mind. Because all I could think of is the day before that big old kiss she planted on my five-month-old mouth. And I had to stand on the word of God and trust him. I had to trust the blood covenant. I had to trust the immutable seed of the word of God, the incorruptible seed. The Bible calls it, Apostle Peter, incorruptible seed. I read that to you earlier. And praise God, none of us got hepatitis. Isaiah 55, 10. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there without water in the earth and making it bear and sprout and providing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word be, which goes forth out of my mouth and will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. And the result was you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. When? When you are the heart that receives the word of God and lets it be rooted and grounded and engrafted on your soul. Not if you let the distractions and the glamour and the lust and the affliction and the persecution steal the word. You're going to leave this place and the devil's immediately going to try to steal. What heart are you? What heart are you?
And I'm telling you right now, in the name of Jesus, if God has given you a promise, you better not let go. Defend your seed. Now, Jovette is a Marine. Did you ever get deployed? People that got deployed, that actually fought. I mean, do they just sit there with their guns and go to sleep? Marsha, did you ever get deployed? Well, whoever got, did anybody in here ever get deployed? Did you just sit there and hope the enemy didn't hurt you? No, you've got to defend your territory. The whole experience in the wilderness was a picture for all. I mean, it really happened, but it was a picture for all of us. You've got to defend your ground. Don't give up. You will reap. You will reap. You will reap if you do not grow weary. Well, I don't, you know, I don't have any seed to sow. Well, 2 Corinthians 9, 10, and 11 says, He who provides seed to sow and bread for eating will provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifest itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity. Everybody has something, some kind of seed they can sow. As I said, it can be your time in serving if you're a member of this house, find a place to connect and serve. There, we heard so many good testimonies of the chosen small groups. Find, quick, get out of, listen, I'm just saying this in love. Get out of yourself. Get out of your head. Like I'm, I said to you, I'm determined to avenge my sister's death. And I said at Chosen, if any of you have cancer, I want to pray for you. I hate that disease. Don't you ever. If you ever come to me and tell me God gave it to you, I will slap you. I will slap some sense into you. I mean, Jovette, did you ever think that? Oh, Jesus, thank you for leukemia. No. No, we fought. We possessed the land, and now she's completely whole. Glory to God. Five years and beyond. Who was that, Bud Light? to infinity and beyond. And isn't that, I haven't seen that in a long time. I mean, my kids are big. And so I was surprised at the number of people. Tiffany will tell you. And it didn't stop there. And it hasn't stopped since you were not even with me. The number of people, the text. And now I'm being asked to pray for my cousin, my sister, my this, my that. And I do it too. And you know what? Every person I prayed for, I had Tiffany get their number. Because I just did what the Holy Spirit told me to do. And I've texted every single one of them. Every single one of them. And I said, I'm going to stand with you. If we don't start taking our ground, the enemy will continue to plummet and bludgeon us. I will not do it. I will not do it. And I hope you will rise up in that same tenacity and bulldog pit bull faith. Defend the seed. Those of you, I had women come to me just sobbing because they, and did, I don't know how many, and, and, and just said, I, I buried my mother three weeks ago. I buried my mother this long ago, and she died from cancer. Well, then let's avenge it. Except a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. We have a whole company in heaven, the Bible says, surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Kirsten, your mother, Delinda, your mother, your sister. Let's rise up. 
Stop being afraid. Shannon, your brother. God is looking for warriors and worshipers. Let's defend the word. Let's defend the seed. Let's not let the enemy have it anymore. I know people that never even open their homes. They don't let people in. My home is like a revolving door. Literally. You know, two of my kids live in my subdivision, which is the biggest blessing. I can't even tell you what a blessing it is for me just to walk across the street, see my children, my grandchildren, seven of the ten. Super sad my oldest grandchild's getting married just simply because she won't live by me anymore. Oh, Mimi, I'll still see you. I have my doors open all the time, and I'll get a call or get a text. Mom, who's at mom's? And then my thirdborn who lives in Stone Oak, who's at your house? It's none of your business. So God's word. Give of your time, your talent, your treasure. Be generous. Well, I don't know how. Ask God for seed to sow. Did you know that an encouraging word? I mean, I got texts back from these women saying, I cannot tell you what it means to me that you reached out. Because everybody, everybody needs the seeds of love and compassion. Well, I just can't do it because I'm not healed. Well, you're not going to be if you keep up that attitude. You reap what you sow. Be not deceived. People get all bent out of shape about the, the um, co- condition our country's in. And th- I say the same thing, Galatians 7, 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that and that alone shall he reap. If you sow to your flesh, you'll reap corruption from your flesh. If you sow to the spirit of the spirit, you'll reap life. As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest remain. All there is to it. What are you sowing? Are you defending the seed? I'm going to close with this one word. Jesus said in Luke 19, 13, occupy until I come. Now, every day is a day closer to the second coming of Christ. I can't wait. Will he come in my lifetime? I don't know. I'd love that. I hope I'm at Fort Sam Houston looking at my dad's cemetery plot. How great would it be to see ever are the graves open And the dead in Christ rise, and we're caught up together with them in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So whether I'm in the air meeting people, or whether I'm here and I don't care, occupy till he comes. That means possess the land in the name of Jesus. I hope that whatever you have forfeited today, you will take back up, and you will defend the seed of the promises of the word of God. Years and years and years ago, I had nothing, I'm telling you. I lived in a tiny 1,300 square foot home, nothing wrong with that. I had very little. And I remember being on my knees one day and I, I heard what the closest to an audible voice I've ever heard. I heard the Lord say, finance, and this was not my tithe, that goes into the house. Finance, and he named three ministries that had sown much into my life. And I said, okay, Lord, but I don't have any seed to sow. So I'm asking you for seed to sow. And he did it so generously. 
So I'll close with a story. I've told the story many, 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 many times, but I'm telling it to those of you because I, I just sense that there's some of you who just really think, I just have very little. You know, I've seen people take a button. We have had in our offering a button off a person's shirt because that's what they had. And, and in those days, I had very little, and I had two bedspreads, two comforters I wanted to sell for $20. And so I did. And I thought that $20 was, it might as well have been 2000 I was reading the word one day, and I read the scripture. It says, sell your possessions and give to charity. Now, that literally means charity. Some of you have heard me tell this. It's one of my favorites. And I had a Bible study in my home in those days. Pam was there. Cindy was there. And literally, I mean, you had to go potty when you went in the door because you wouldn't be able to get up. It was packed. Kirsten's mother was there. And we had some great, great meetings. And there was a woman that came, and she had a little girl named Charity, and they were poor. We went to their little apartment one day to take them food. And when Pam was standing there, so you're my witness, we opened the refrigerator, and in the refrigerator was a bag of beans. That was all in the whole house. Now, that's poor. And... I don't remember how many. Was it five kids? They had a lot of kids. And so the mother had told me a story. And in the story, she took Charity to the grocery store. And they, they had prayed before. And she said, Charity, what do you want to ask Jesus for today? And she thought Charity would say, oh, Jesus, bless my day. She was five. And instead, Charity prayed. And she said, Jesus... I ask you for a carton of milk, a box of cereal, and some ice cream. Well, they didn't have money for a carton of milk, a box of cereal, and ice cream. So this mother in faith takes Charity to the store. And Charity picks out her cereal, her milk, her ice cream. They're walking to the cash register, and the mother is saying, Jesus, I have no money. I have no money. And all of a sudden... A stranger, it wasn't a stranger, it was an angel, you, we all know this, walks up and hands her a $20 bill. And she bought Charity, her products. Well, I hear this story, I'm sobbing. And I have $20. And I have seed. I have a word that says, sell your possessions and give to charity. And I hand her the $20. And I said, this is for charity. Let her buy something she wants. And the mother come, comes back to me and she said she's never had a piece of jewelry. Now, this is in the 1970s, you understand. You could actually buy a piece of jewelry for $20. And she bought herself a necklace and little matching earrings. And she was so happy. I want to tell you something. I have no lack in my life. You go back to those little seeds, the Lord always beholds the seeds. Plant kindness, plant mercy, plant forgiveness, plant encouragement, plant love. The power is in you if you will do it. Defend your seed. Father, I just pray for every person in my hearing. I ask you, Lord, that you will give them the vision, the revelation, the determination to defend every promise you've given them. 
Your word says we will reap if we do not give up. So I pray for everyone that is on the verge of giving up. And I pray you would reignite them with power to believe for their children, their grandchildren, their marriages, their finances, their health, whatever it is they need, Lord. They will reap if they protect the seed. Thank you for that. Thank you for angels that are mighty in strength to obey the voice of your word. We thank you. We agree with you in the name of Jesus. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.